0: You're listening to episode 22 of the Broken Glass Podcast, intertwining studies and a passion for music with Rajasri Malakarshana. You're listening to the Broken Glass Podcast, a podcast with a mission to highlight women in the music industry through their stories, from their successes to their trials and tribulations. We'll share tools and resources available to you to make your music dream job come to life or to start that business you've always wanted to own. But most of all, you'll be a part of the Broken Glass community where we support and encourage each other and open the doors to working in music. I'm your host, Christy Jacobson, entrepreneur, music lover, wanderluster, and dreamer. Welcome to the show. Are you looking for a virtual assistant who understands release schedules, copyrights, licensing, and other aspects of the music industry? Or how about someone who can write, proofread, and content edit your music industry-themed blog posts, articles, and business documents? You are in the right place. Broken Glass Media has officially launched service offerings specific to the music industry. Visit the services page at brokenglassmediallc.com slash work dash with dash me to learn about services in business writing, virtual assistance, and social media. Do you love this podcast? Do you want to hear more actionable advice, interviews with kick-ass women, stay up-to-date on the music industry, and get some swag? Head on over to our Patreon page to become a patron today. With several tiers available, there are options for every budget. Visit www.patreon.com thebrokenglasspodcast to become a patron and help us help you. Welcome back to the podcast. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. And if you've been listening for a while, thank you for tuning in real quick before we get into the episode i'm putting together a guide with tips and ideas to find more time in your day because i know from first-hand experience how crazy this industry can get i want to share my favorite productivity tips with you so be sure to sign up for the waitlist at broken glass media slash take back your day and you'll receive the free how to take back your day in just five steps guide it'll be ready and in your inbox before you know it In today's episode, I sat down with my friend and coworker Raj a few weeks ago to talk about her journey in music as a production editor and as a composer. We had such a great time that we just kept on talking, so it's a long one. But we talked all about how your studies can apply to your passion in music, even if you didn't study music outright, and the process behind composing, mindset, and so much more. Let's just dive right in. Here's Raj. All right, welcome back to the Broken Glass Podcast. I'm here with my friend Raj. She is a a composer. She's a music editor at Alfred, where I work, and that's how we met. Um, So, Raj, just uh, tell me a little bit about yourself and what you're doing right now. Sure. Um, So, I am, uh, I've
1: been in the industry for about 10 years almost, and, um, you know, I'm a composer. That's probably my, you know, dream job eventually. Um, and I work as a production editor at Alfred music. I've been there for about six years. Um, and I also actually work in arts advocacy, so it's, it's all volunteer. Um, I started out, uh, as a secretary for musicians at play foundation, um, which, you know, they promote music education and, uh, you know, LA artists. Um, I recently kind of, uh you know put that hat down and i i've been um on the cultural arts commission for burbank um and it's like an advisory board for the city council just promoting the arts in the community and um you know making sure it's accessible to everybody
0: that's where the burbank newsletter comes in then right yes exactly Uh uh-huh yeah so that was kind of cool um to be featured (laughs) in it this month I love that Um, interview of yours yeah so what I'll do is I'll link to there's a website for that right yes so I'll link to that and that way especially people in LA and you know especially the valley Burbank area can check that out sign up for the newsletter awesome and get information about arts that's going on in the in the community right
1: yeah we're working right now to you know make sure that just local organizations know that they can post their events on our website and that way you know people can connect pretty easily
0: okay yeah that's awesome I loved um kind of hearing about that and you know coming not I mean I don't live I didn't grow up here right so right when you don't grow up somewhere it's very hard to I think to kind of know what, what there is out there. Right. And you really like have to search and, and that's where I think connections come in too, right? Like, you know, you and I work together, so we got, we were connected and then I got connected to, uh, Nicolina and Renee who were on the podcast a couple episodes ago. Right. Um, and then that brought me kind of into the whole Burbank, you know, community, community which was yeah. really cool. And I think that's really awesome that, you know, the connections that we all work together. Uh-huh. So, um, <laughs> Let's take it back a little bit. So back to, well, not a little bit, but back to the beginning. So <laughs> how, how kind of tell tell us your story, how you got started in music, how you got started as an editor, sure. um, and how you got started as a composer and kind of, I guess, what came first and <laughs> all that. So Okay. Um, well, I, you know,
1: even as just a really small child, I was really just drawn to music. Um, my neighbor was a piano teacher and she had a piano, you know, and I was just, we would go over there all the time. We were like family friends and I was just, you know, really curious about it. And, um, I think my parents thought I was like too little to start at that, like at five. So when I, um, in school, when they offered music classes, Mm -hmm. like music lessons, I took flute and then they suggested that I take piano as well. So that's kind of, you know, at the same time I started flute and piano and in two different settings. One was private instruction for piano and the other is right. flute um, in school ensemble. and I just loved it. And, um, you know, prior to that, I was just always creative. Like I loved writing little stories and, you know, I was a big reader. So mm-hmm. um, when, and I was very academic, you know, just really loved learning so kind of when it came time um to go to college you know like I had gotten been immersed in music wanted to study it but my parents were sort of like (laughs) kind of traditional and wanted me to focus more on the academic side of things and not that music can't be academic but they don't think I don't think they really knew that oh
0: my parents (laughs) too. yeah you know I, I took um Honors was honors Harmony, which was basically music theory. Right. In high school. Uh-huh. And my dad, you know, and I do understand music. Well, why don't you take AP English? Why don't you take this? And right. I was like, no, I want to do music. And then when I went to college, it was, you know, and I, I studied music business and mm-hmm. was taking theory and, you know, music classes. I was like, you know, see, it did, it did work out. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And,
1: you know, it's just, I think just a lack of familiarity is what, you know, caused that to happen. But I ended up, um, you know, I was obsessed with music at the same time as, you know, growing up and learning all these other things and reading. And so, um, I ended up studying political science and journalism at Boston university, um, for my undergraduate degrees. And I, um, up until that point you know I I learned flute and piano and piano is really like my main instrument it Mm -hmm. was the one that I excelled at the most and just felt the most natural ability with Mm -hmm. Um, and I also learned percussion in high school so when I got to college I really missed it you know the first couple years I I just didn't really play that much and then actually at all unless I went home and um and so I ended up taking some non-major music classes and i took this composition it was like electronic music or something and i had this um i had this teacher who had gone to berkeley and he was a phd student at um at bu in the music school and so um that's kind of how i like learned about berkeley Mm -hmm. and i you know i was so excited about this class and i just got a lot of support and encouragement and he told me that what I wrote was weird but it was still very musical you know and I loved that because I felt like wow I really am like somebody recognizes like how I feel right you know and um and so I decided by the time I was done um uh my undergrad degree that I was going to go to probably Berkeley, but I wanted to go to music school Mm -hmm. and I wanted to really study composition and, um, and Berkeley has a great film scoring program. So I thought that might be right for me. So I ended up doing that. Um, I took a year and a half off, you know, moved home, just (laughs) worked like as a temp (laughs) and, um, and then practiced all the time. And then I, um, when I started, I did end up getting into Berkeley. When I started there, it was, um, you know, I didn't have to do the undergraduate core credits. So I just had, I got to focus just on music. And I was a film scoring major, piano principal, which meant that was like my main instrument. Okay. And um, And then, you know, the journalism just ended up working out there as well because I had this work study job at Berkeley Press, which is their, um, their publishing company. And so I I think now they're owned by Hal Leonard, um, (laughs) which is Alfred's competitor, (laughs) (laughs) but that, you know, I don't think, I don't know that they were at the time. Okay. Um, but you know, I just learned a lot about the editorial process. Um, and I think really it, it showed me that there were so many avenues of being in the industry you know you didn't necessarily just have to be making music to be in it right or just
0: writing like you could be in that composing sector exactly in a different area right
1: totally so um so yeah that's kind of how I got into music uh, or editing Mm -hmm. music book editing and that's how i got into composition as well it's kind of around the same time um so yeah i mean i think th- the advocacy thing that actually happened after i had been in la for a while and kind of you know gotten some um gotten my place in like a little bit of a place in the industry and everything and um i think it was really because i had volunteered at some event that um musicians at play foundation was holding and dave black who works at alpha music had um had just sent out an email like asking if anyone wanted to volunteer for this thing and i was like i'm not doing anything i'll I'll go (laughs) Yeah. yeah so i volunteered and um i ended up meeting these really nice ladies who um you know they there was april williams who uh founded the organization and then Cindy Pease who's like the managing director and um they a few months later like I got this email out of the blue asking I think it was from Dave and he was just like you know they asked if we could have they could have your contact info and they needed a secretary for their board and they asked me if I wanted to be their secretary so I just sort of fell into that Mm -hmm. but you know it just opened up a whole world for me right um and I will say, like, I learned so, have learned so much from them, and just being part of that organization has really kind of opened the doors for other things as well.
0: Yeah, what did that organization do? Like, what were their main, I guess, objectives, and, and how, yeah. did they, how did they support the community?
1: Um, well, they have a mentorship program that they currently have with um, BUSD, like Burbank Unified School District. Okay. And it really pairs... Um, The high school's up with um, musicians from, I think, the union, the, you know, the musicians' union. And so those people come in and they mentor the kids. And then they have this huge concert at the end of the year that, you know, showing, like, what they've learned. Mm -hmm. And um, I went to the concert this past year and it was pretty amazing, like, to see, you know, the choir and the the choral groups, Mm -hmm. the... Bands, the orchestras, you know what I mean? It, it was really just, there's a lot of work that they do. And. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, it's great, too, to show the kids that, you know, that there are opportunities for music. Because, you know, especially when I was in high school, you know, yeah, I could, I, I knew I could be a music teacher, right? right. <laughs> I didn't know what else there was out there. So, I mean, to, I know that L.A. were kind of in a unique area right where I think the kids probably see a lot more of that than I did back in New Jersey you know uh-huh. um, yeah I
1: grew up on the east coast too yeah so. so you
0: unless you're in one of the major I think music cities you probably really don't see that you know and here right. we do have the union we have all the you know all the music companies out here and the film so but just to ha- to have you know professionals mentor kids and just really show them that yeah you can be a professional musician you can do this you know Uh I think that's really like a really awesome way to to connect everybody
1: right yeah and it exposes kids to seeing how if they do pursue this and they get to a certain level they can really pursue different avenues yeah
0: that's awesome so what brought you to LA because you were in Boston. I was. And you yep. finished at Berkeley. Finished at Berkeley. Um, the last
1: semester of Berkeley, I had a few credits left, and I decided to do an internship for, um, for a post-production house that was actually based in New York. And so that, you know, I did kind of, I, I loved New York. I was there for about a year, but it was really, um, really challenging for me to find anything that was paid I was was definitely able to find like some really cool unpaid opportunities. One of them was actually writing for this, um, this blog, you know, music Mm -hmm. blog that was, uh, focused on just like New York city bands and, you know, and then there was this column that I got to write for all the time. That was, um, it was called like Holy musician, Batman, (laughs) And I got to just basically talk about musicians that I loved, you know? So I love yeah. the fact, because I don't really like reviewing. I just feel, like, guilty, I think,
0: if i like... <laughs> guilty, you're harsh. <laughs> yeah, if I'm actually yeah. writing
1: down, like, I, yeah. you know, I can talk about stuff, like, candidly, but right. I think writing something down and having it just, you know, it's, like, cemented or something, right. like, this negative...
0: Well, especially now with the internet. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's out there. Yeah, so I really
1: just liked the fact that I could write about stuff that I loved, and I wrote about musicians that I really admired, and and I interviewed like local artists as well. So that, that kind of also helped with, you know, later on, just getting some gigs and you know writing gigs or freelance editing.
0: Right, but New York's expenses and <laughs> right. unpaid. Yes, exactly. Paid <laughs> gigs aren't the greatest. Yeah,
1: so yeah. I ended up moving home, um, again, (laughs) I moved home for a year, I worked at, like, Bed Bath & Beyond (laughs) for the whole year, and, you know, just basically, again, worked on music Mm -hmm. when I had my downtime, and, um, and that time, during that time, I just decided to write a lot, you know, because now I, I had sort of the basic skills, and just the, the background knowledge of, theory and how to kind of write anything even if it is uninspired (laughs) you know just putting those tools into practice
0: yeah so like you know when you're like writing you know words right like not not music but you know for me it's just you just start writing you know even if it's not perfect just putting something down exactly yeah. yeah um I also I had some uh
1: opportunities to write for um, like political ads because my brother was like a video editor for political ads, so he hooked me up with like getting the you know a couple gigs yeah. like that and that was really interesting. I think scoring something is very different from writing just a piece that is for musicians to play or mm. for, you know, just something that comes straight from your head right. So that was really challenging, and um, you know, it's something that I would say, I it helped me when I moved out to L.A. because then, when I was looking for things out here, it sort of helped, you know, helped connect me with other composers. Right. Um, but yeah, so I, I moved home, and the intention was I would save some money and then move to L.A. and really. Because I knew there were probably a lot more opportunities for you know film scoring and TV scoring mm-hmm. out here, um, so that's why I moved out here. And you know, the first couple years, I ended up just transferring my retail job, and i was still working that. And I still, I did like an unpaid internship um, for a composer, and then eventually I found a composer's assistant job which was really cool. Um, and I think I actually got recommended for that through a Berkeley friend who had just gotten hired as a music assistant and then couldn't take that job. So he oh, okay. suggested oh, that. Oh, you Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I started out. And then it was really, you know, I noticed that I was working so much. I, there were days, mm-hmm. like there were weeks where sometimes I wouldn't have a day off you know, I remember there was a time where I was like, wait, I've been working for like nine days straight (laughs) and I'm not making a lot of money. um, I'm just scraping by. And so, um, I was like, I, you know, I should really find something that's full time. Mm. And luckily, you know, this, the job at Alfred sort of opened up and I knew the person who had it before, so he could put it in a good word for me. (laughs) And, um, and yeah, I got hired and, that really, you know, changed a lot, I think. Having a stable income and mm. a stable schedule yeah. really opened <laughs> up,
0: like, just my time to do other yeah. things. And Nine to five instead of a, you know, <laughs> seven to ten or something. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I never yeah. know what it's going
1: to be in that sort of situation. Right.
0: You know, you can go in at this time, you're leaving at this time, and then you can schedule your other work around that. Right. Yeah. 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 So um, take me a little bit through your composing process. So, because this is, this is interesting to me because I am not a composer. I can't write. I mean, when I was, you know, 10, 11, learning how to play clarinet, you know, uh-huh. my teacher gave me some, you know, paper, you know, manuscript paper and said, you know, here, play around. And I would throw things together, but I had no clue what I was doing. <laughs> Um, I mean, so that's still fun, yeah, yeah, um, you can still write. <laughs> kind of take me through that process, So you've done um your own work, right. you know that you've you know kind of come from your head and your heart and um you know that you've decided you want to do, and then you've also done commission pieces mm-hmm. you're talking about the the political ads and and that and um some of these other pieces that you've done. So I guess take me through that process, and then is it different writing commission piece than something that you write on your own? Like, How how does that differ as well? Um, Well, I mean, I've
1: been fortunate enough that I think the commission pieces that I've been asked to write, um, I've had a lot of artistic control, I think the differences from doing my own thing versus being asked to write something is just that there are probably more parameters given to me, you know, like, um, for Burbank Chamber Music Society, they asked me to write, um, for, you know, this concert in August Mm -hmm. that we just had. Um, they asked me to write a trio specifically for these three instruments, clarinet, bassoon, and piano. Um, I didn't choose those instruments to write for but that was actually kind of cool. Cause I, you know, it was cha- a challenge. Um, but I think even so I came to that with my own ideas. And, um, I, when I first started, you know, it took me probably about a month, like to write the full piece, but I had started out just, you know, okay, I got to write this piece. So let me, I'm going to sit at the piano and come up with some ideas Mm -hmm. and then um I probably spent like a couple weeks really tweaking and like working on this the first movement of that work and then eventually I was like okay well what what do I want to do next with this you know like Mm -hmm. that's not enough for it's it's not complete definitely not complete and they're expecting like maybe a 10-minute work or something so Kind of went back to my you know journal and I was like looking at some of the ideas I'd just written down, and I was like, oh yeah, there's this thing that I was obsessed with, this little like (laughs) like ditty you know that I kept playing over and over on piano, and I wonder if I could develop that idea. And actually, I think with the bassoon, this ostinato could sound really cool. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how the second theme came into uh, progression and then with the third one it was kind of the same thing where i i had this idea that i'd kind of been sitting around for a long time and um and i was like i you know i i think this instrumentation i could really develop this idea with that so um but to answer your question you know there are some two different kind of approaches and one is like just having your own ideas for something or your own concept and mm-hmm. the other is somebody asking you to do something specific and being able to deliver that and also delivering that on time. <laughs> right, yeah.
0: <laughs> no, and I was at the uh, the premiere of that piece uh, in Burbank and I loved it, by the way. that it was amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and it was really cool because, you know, I've known you for so long and, you know, I've known your work as an editor at Alfred, but i never. I don't think I'd ever really heard your your compositions, so it was really kind of cool to be like, you know, Rosh you know, this is a different <laughs> this, part of you,
1: you know, right? Like, that doesn't you know? necessarily like most people don't know about, right? It. And yeah. it's
0: kind of like you know me with the podcast. People are like, wait, you do what? <laughs> like, you know, yeah, so exactly. it was really cool. Um, and I know, you know, my roommate Leah, who mm-hmm. you know, and I, you know, we were. You know both like you know this is really great we we loved it and and it was really cool to hear something being premiered because how often do you get to say you were at like a world premiere of something um right. <laughs> what's it like for you though to kind of hear your piece per- was that the first time you'd heard it and, and what's it like to um, hear your piece performed by other people for the first time it you know that wasn't the first time I heard it because we'd had
1: um, a rehearsal that I'd been able to go okay. to and work with the, the instrumentalist b- before. Um, but I will say it's kind of like somebody's <laughs> peeking into your brain and all your vulnerabilities <laughs> because I've, I feel like because I don't do it that much, you know, and I don't, don't really perform, like, you know, that's kind of something that I never felt fully comfortable doing, Um, I think writing is my outlet. And so I think having that, having people interpret that and, you know, really make that their own and ask questions about it. Like that was sort of surreal and it felt amazing, but it also initially was like, oh my gosh, what are they, you know, what if they hate (laughs) this? Like, what if they don't like playing this, you know? Yeah. So I know it's also a learning experience because... Um, you know, I don't know everything about an instrument, each oh, instrument it's yet. I was going to so. ask that, like, right. you know,
0: you're a uh, pianist and you've played flute. Right. So, you know, writing for other instruments, I mean, I guess you probably learn in I, school right. how to write for different instruments, but unless you play every instrument, you're not going to know intricacies. <laughs> exactly. And, like, there's yeah. so
1: many nuances and possibilities. And, um, you know, I studied orchestration, which, mm-hmm. you know basically I think forever you're going to be studying orchestration if you're writing right for other people and other instruments that you don't play (laughs) right but um but yeah so at at the rehearsal I was you know I I went into it thinking like because my friend Nicolina Mm -hmm. the clarinetist she told me she's like yeah we have a lot of questions and um and I was I went in thinking oh my god <laughs> like did I write something that's like totally unplayable right but then you know we actually talked like before the mm-hmm. rehearsal and we went through all the questions and I was like those aren't like bad questions those are just interpretation right types of things and also like she felt like you know something she could um play more naturally at a certain register so she was like can I drop this down to an octave and an octave lower mm-hmm. you know those types of things were right. what we talked about but um but really i was impressed by them and i i did have the i did have the um the advantage of knowing or having heard two of the musicians uh pl- like having heard them play before okay so you know i knew kind of who i was writing for
0: right and how they interpret things and and you know their styles really. Exactly. Because everybody's performance style is different. Right. You can learn all the, the techniques and, you know, the, um, the the methods and, you know, this is how you go from this note to this note, but when you start performing, I'm getting really excited about this. I haven't <laughs> talked about this kind of stuff in, or even performed in years. <laughs> but like just your interpretation of, you know, how soft, how, you know, how smooth and, and all that, you know, everybody's is different. Exactly. So. Right. And, um, you know, I, I knew
1: all three of those players, I knew that they were very skilled and, you know, they could play basically anything. Right. <laughs> um, but I, I knew Oliver was really into List, you know, the composer who's like, mm. you know, got all these huge flourishes and crazy right. music. So, um, So I did add more embellishments in that piano part, you know, mm-hmm. because I wanted it to be something he enjoyed playing. Right. And, um, and the bassoonist, you know, like that part, I was, I was probably the least certain about how the bassoonist would react to
0: the part partially She was the one you didn't know,
1: right? He was the one okay. I didn't know. I hadn't heard him play before. Um, I knew he was supposed to be like an excellent player, mm-hmm. but I also, um, have the least experience writing for the bassoon, you know? So...
0: That's such a unique instrument, too. Yep. Unless it's in an orchestra, you really don't hear it outside of band orchestra. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Unless you just, like, happen to live next to a bassist or something, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah. So that was really interesting and really cool. Uh, But, you know, I think learning – I learned so much from Mm -hmm. that and just – writing that one piece, and right. I came back with, like, so many notes of things that I could do next time.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and now you wrote, um, you shared with me the ballet. Uh-huh. So you tell me a little about that and how you kind of start writing. Sure. You started that and, and, and came up with everything, um, and because I was kind of curious, too, because it was, it was around a story. Right. So that's a little different from, you know you know, write for this group, these the three music. instruments, and, yeah. you know, you know, the people you're really composing music around, you know, a yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I guess kind of, how do you like, what's that like? That, that seems really interesting. And I was reading through the, the story tonight and it was like, that's really cool. <laughs> Thank you. Well, um, I, you know, like
1: I, I mentioned this before, but I'm a big reader and I kind of go into spurts of like, reading a lot and then, and not listening to music and then listening to a lot of music and not reading ever, (laughs) you know, (laughs) so, um, so when I, it was probably a couple years into working at Alfred or maybe a year into it and I sort of felt like, okay, you know, I'm settled into like a a schedule routine and I really like my job, um, and, but I'm not writing, I'm not doing anything creative on my own and what do I want to do? and I was also just, you know, I was reading a lot, and there, the topic that I chose to write about was kind of organic, because I didn't just say, okay, I want to write a ballet, um, what should I write about? Oh, that. It was more like (laughs) I was reading the story, and, um, so it's, the, the story that I read was, is called the Mahabharata, Mm -hmm. and it's this epic story, this, like, you know, it's, It's like a mythological story around Hindu um, just ideas, and so I I was raised Hindu, but I definitely um, am not religious in any way. Mm -hmm. But I was really curious at that time, and I you know still am just discovering and understanding my identity, and also. You know, just knowing that that was something that my parents grew up, you know, hearing and reading. And just everybody that I know from India, like, grew up with that story. Just knowing how that shaped them, you know. I Mm -hmm. was really curious about it. And even, like, in the 80s, (laughs) there was this, um, like, TV movie they came out with about that okay yeah. and I remember being like super little and my parents watching it and like having all these like little criticisms of it right and so I wanted to really you know go back and say well what was that yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> so I read it and um and really like you know it was so many things of like my identity my my role quote-unquote as a woman mm-hmm. and and what that culture expects or maybe what the history of that culture expects you know Mm -hmm. Um, and then also just understanding where does that put me now and even just my own experiences as a woman like in this society and you know experiencing certain things which great and bad Mm -hmm. you know like understanding all of that and so I really just I read this and I noticed that so this um the story is about you know uh, two families really they're one family and it's like this group it's basically good versus evil and this woman the main character Mm -hmm. uh, is named Dropathy and she's in in the story she's kind of like she's idealized in a lot of ways she's also um you know, put into situations where she is the ultimate feminist, you know, where she's mm-hmm. like, just saying, this is who I am, how dare you do this to me, or whatever it might be. And so I felt like, well, yeah, they really, in in the story, you know, it, it really was an oral thing, like an oral tradition, Right. but eventually it was like written down and I got some English version of it that yeah. I read, you know, so... <laughs> You know, I'm sure, like, there are different interpretations of it. Right, but... and translation, and yeah. all that, too. exactly. To so vary. Um, but it seemed like, you know, here's this really strong character, and she's got so much going on within her, and so many crazy things happen to her, but they really don't, like, talk too much about her, you know? And so I thought, maybe I can write about her internal struggle, and what what did she really think? Like, how was she really feeling in these, in, in these scenarios? Um, and so I decided, I was like, well, I also am like really interested in Indian music and like learning more about that kind of, mm-hmm. you know, music theory and just, so I decided I was gonna write something that talked about her, but also, you know, incorporated some Indian uh, music elements.
0: That's cool. Did you have to? Because um, did you have to study some of the Indian musical instruments and, and those elements? Or um, well, I used all Western orchestration. Okay. You know, so
1: I basically wrote it for um, you know a Western like symphony right. orchestra. Okay. But I studied more of like the Indian rhythms and okay. um, some of the scales, those types of things. Right. But I didn't actually use them verbatim. I basically I like studied them and I said, well, I really just want to get into writing and I wanted to. Do, I still want to do my own thing, right? You know, so I'm gonna take what I like from this yeah. and I'm gonna write these. I wrote themes first. I basically did like a treatment of the whole, you know, mm-hmm. what this ballet would be, and then I started. Um, I started writing like different scenes and not necessarily in order, but just like whatever would felt like inspiring at the time. Mm-hmm. So it took me, the whole process probably took me about two years. Oh wow. And, um, and so, you know, and after that I was like, okay, I wrote this ballet. Like <laughs> I can't believe it. I'm done, but what now? You right. know? <laughs> and so, um, I finished it in 2017, okay. and so it's 2019 now, and I'm yeah. still, like, still trying to find avenues for performing it right. or getting it performed, um, and also, you know, even just having the music re- music recorded or performed. Right. That's something I've talked to um, Nicolina about doing with, like, the Chamber Music Group, because they're a collective, so right. maybe I could hire them as musicians. Yeah. So I'm just, yeah. like, looking into different avenues for funding and possible avenues for like you know if we recorded it or if we decide to do a performance and then even like you know meeting dancers and finding right those, yeah you know. it's a,
0: yeah that's a big undertaking but it's so cool I mean you know to go from like especially you know from the character too right you know the the strong female character and then developing that whole thing around her but We'll have to we'll have to get you a Kickstarter or something. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll we'll, yeah. we'll figure something out. <laughs> right, that's yeah. such a cool idea, and to just you know to really you know visualize that and what you want from it, and to have that all put together, <laughs> it's amazing. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so we'll. Um, Is there, you know, a link that I can share with the audience in the show notes? Sure. Um, There's a link on SoundCloud. SoundCloud. Okay. Yeah, I'll definitely put that in the show notes so everybody can listen to it. Maybe we'll have a listener take interest (laughs) and be able to to help us help you get that started. Uh That would be awesome. (laughs) Um, So kind of speaking of strong female characters Mm -hmm. and and women, um, you know, It's such a, this is such a difficult industry to get into. Um, Mm -hmm. I know you were talking about, you know, you came to LA and you were just, you know, working your, you know, Bed Bath & Beyond while you were trying to get in and get jobs in composing and that. Um, But it seems like, too, sometimes we as women, we often meet um, a little bit more resistance. Mm -hmm. As a composer, editor, did you ever feel that? I know some, it depends, sometimes it can depend on the niche that you're in, really. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, you know, I really haven't heard from anybody in your kind of realm. Uh-huh. Um, have you had any kind of resistance as a, you know, musician, composer? And if you did, how did you overcome something like that? Um, I, I definitely have had, you know, like at least
1: at the very beginning, you know, getting started and kind of getting your foot in the door. Um, I felt like, there was less trust of like a skill set for mm-hmm. women, and I don't know if that is like across you know areas of the industry, mm-hmm. but definitely you know with composing and especially like um, with like film scoring or TV scoring, it's very much uh, a tech-heavy environment. You're working with computers all day, right. you know, and if you're someone's assistant, that's what you're doing um the person that i was an assistant for he was like you know very supportive and he let me do all of that stuff so it wasn't at all like it wasn't that situation that mm-hmm. where i felt that but it was more before that when you know even like in new york at that pr- uh, post production house mm-hmm. and and um you know when i interned out here my first internship i sort of felt like I wasn't being given certain opportunities, and it wasn't necessarily intentional. But I almost feel like it was um, just sort of this, you know, maybe like a subconscious kind of
0: thing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
1: And um, and I think in order to overcome that, at least for me, it was it was more that I just had to keep looking for things mm. and, you know, finding people who believed in me yeah. and, you know, didn't have that kind of outlook. Right. That really has just, has always helped Yeah.
0: move forward. Yeah. Just finding the right people to support you. And I think you and I are both very lucky at, at least at Alfred too, to have, you know, a lot of people... You know, men and women in the company who are very supportive of us, and yeah, definitely. you know what I, I think. What I really like, you know, most about the culture there is they support your outside work, right? Right, because a lot of companies they don't want to hear that you're doing something <laughs> outside of That's of their your full time job, right? right. Like where your focus isn't on us, it needs to be on us, right? Right. right. Um, but what I really like is you know they support your composing. They support, you know, when other, you know, employees, um, you know, are playing shows. Exactly. People go out, you know, right. we go out and, and and support each other at their gigs. And, right. you know, with, um, you know, with the, the broken Glass podcast, I've had support from some of the uh, executive team and even marketing and, and coworkers, right? Sharing right. it and talking That's to awesome. me about it. So, yeah. you know, I'm sure you've kind of felt the same with, with some of your compositions too right Mm you have got a lot of support
1: yeah I mean you know I I'm on the production team and I feel like um you know there's so many people on that team who are like great mentors Mm -hmm. and they you know I'll like I'll say oh I have this thing coming up and then you know they'll say if they can't make it then they're like oh send you know send me the link and I want to hear it you know and I've gotten like feedback and so I think It really is important to be in a work environment that, if you're in the industry and you're trying to also do creative things, Mm -hmm. um, it's important to be in an environment that's flexible and that sort of lets you do those things and you don't
0: have to hide what you're doing, you know? Yeah, I think at first I was kind of like, well, I'm doing this, but I'm not going to tell anybody. And then it was, you know, as I started sharing with people, they're like, that's awesome. Like, <laughs> you know, keep doing that. And, you know, because at first it's scary. You're just like, I don't know what they're going to think. And, yeah. but I think we're just so lucky. And I think finding that, you know, especially as women in the industry, just, just finding a mentor, whether male or yes. female, somebody who's willing to just kind of take you under their wing and, 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 you know, help you develop your skills, develop and... network yeah. and, and get to know people. Um, I think that's just super important. Um, it kind of leads a little bit into my next question that I have here. Um, where do you see women struggling the most in 2019? Um, especially in the music industry. Uh uh-huh. Um, I think,
1: you know, I can, I can say this for myself as well. And just I've heard this a lot lately from some of my um like close female friends who are in the you know musicians or in the industry mm-hmm. but a lot of it um people are struggling with self-confidence <laughs> and also self-promotion yeah you know that's a big one and I think that's kind of something that we should be open about with each mm-hmm. other because that's really like the only way that someone's going to say or you're unless you're doing a lot of, like, internal work, mm-hmm. you know, to kind of convince yourself otherwise, yeah, you know, unless we talk about it with each other and somebody says, hey, what are you talking about? You're brilliant. Like, yeah. you, you need to do this. <laughs> we're not going to get there, you know. And so I think we have to really kind of keep connecting. And mm-hmm. what Broken Glass is doing is really great, like, with networking events mm-hmm. and just meeting up and talking about what we're doing. Like, that in itself is just, that's kind of, like, the way to get there.
0: Right. So. Well, and you meet new people too, right? Like, you know, right. we did the, the networking event um, a couple of weeks ago, and there's was, you know, several of us from Alfred, but then uh-huh. I had a couple of my friends from grad school came, and right. then, you know, my roommate came. And so it was cool to, to connect those two worlds, because uh-huh. I've never really connected those two worlds <laughs> yeah. before, you know. Like, uh-huh. I've always, yeah, you know, I think, you know, besides... You know, my roommate Leah. um, You know, she's connected. She was at Alfred for a while, and she's connected with some of my grad school friends too. But to really kind of bring those two worlds together and have everybody meet was just—it was just interesting. It was fun and unique, and you know, it's you know helping each other out and just giving each other a leg up and exactly and supporting each other. And I think too, like we brought up a good point about self-confidence. Mm-hmm. too. And I think a lot of times, and I, you know, maybe it's just kind of a female thing, but we put a lot of limiting beliefs in ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I think we need to try and, and remove those. Right. And it's hard. I mean, it's, you know, it's something I struggle with all the mm-hmm. time and just your mindset and wrapping your head around things. And, you know, I, I was actually talking to, um, several episodes ago, Brie Noble, um, She had mentioned that she has she has a membership group, Uh and um, it's it's women. After I I can't remember what the the name of it is, that this it's something, but it's it's women, and a lot of them are struggling with the the mindset, right? Like just getting on stage and just going for it and just pushing, you know. And we just need to. I feel like sometimes men are just like, I'm going to do this, and then they do it, and we're just like, well. What if we put a and- de- Yeah, we debate in our heads, and I think we right. really need to kind of just stop that debate and... Just do it. And, yeah, yeah, that's something I've really tried to be doing, you know, especially launching my services. And wow. it was like, for the longest time, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And no, <laughs> that's not right. And finally, it's just like, okay, I need to sit down and just do it. And within, like, weeks, I was like, this is what I'm doing, and it's out in the world. Exactly. right? And you just have to do that. You just right. have to say... You know and it's, it's kind of like go for the ask right exactly just yes. put it out there if you need help with something just ask don't hold it all in and struggle <laughs> right <laughs> yeah yeah and I think a lot of women especially getting on stage right yes you know I think that's the big thing is they struggle to get on stage and get in the studio and, and all that and um, you know I'm a little bit more on the business end of things rather than the performance but mm-hmm. You know, even in business, it's like you have to just be confident. And, yeah, don't second guess what your ideas are. Right.
1: And don't be afraid to pitch ideas that even if they don't work or they don't go anywhere, there's nothing wrong with saying something.
0: Right. Well, I think, too, like I just listened to um, a podcast episode um, today, actually, um, it's, uh, called design your dream life. Um, and it's, uh, this woman in Chicago, Natalie Bacon, and she's a life coach. Uh huh. And the episode that I listened to today was all about, um, not caring about what other people think. <laughs> yes. Right. And like people right. can have their opinions and they can tell you so, but if it's something you really want to do, just do it. Right. And maybe you can take, you know, that as feedback. Right. Absolutely. But don't care. If you want to launch your business, launch your business. Who cares what... So-and-so going to Yeah, think person or, around the corner thinks, right? right? Like, do what you want to do because you want to do it, and don't let that other people's opinions stop you. Don't let even your own opinions about things. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. or Yeah, and I think
1: also, like, it, and it goes... This kind of also goes with, like, composing. Um, even if it's not something that I, like, think is perfect, I'm going to put it down and move on to the next thing because... Unless I do that, I'm just going to be like, like tweaking mm-hmm. and tweaking. Yeah. And I'm never <laughs> going to be happy with it.
0: So I, right. you know, yeah. What is it? Um, one of my mentors says uh, talks about B minus work, right? And I think that actually came from a, a different life coach. Uh-huh. <laughs> but like, you just just put B minus work out, right? Right. And then you can go back and you can edit, but get it out there, right? Exactly. Yeah. It, it might not be perfect. And this this goes against everything. Like I'm like grammar, you know. (laughs) My punctuation has to be there. My grammar has to be there. The Oxford comma has to be there. Like right, I you know, and I'm sure as journalists too, you know, with that journalist Uh background, you're just you're the same way probably. It's got to be one hundred percent. And I've got to get over that. Yes, I want it to be good, but let me get it out there, right? And then I can tweak. You know, someone. Okay, let me know that there's a spelling mistake, and let me know that there's a you know grammatical right. error. You can just fix I can that. fix that, you know, <laughs> right. especially if it's on the website, you know, <laughs> right. But things like that just just get it out. Mm-hmm. So, um, mindset is really important, um, I think too. And and what I've kind of talked about in the past on on the podcast is physical and mental wellness, uh-huh. and especially <laughs> for people like us who are very much you know we work full-time jobs and then we go home and we do more right um what are kind of some ways that you kind of manage your your physical and your mental wellness um especially i guess this hustle hustle culture right like (laughs) right you know they're saying that you know hustling is is bad i agree but you know especially in this industry we kind of have to yeah right and and we need to take time for ourselves too though so how what ways do you kind of manage that for yourself well, I,
1: I've i usually noticed that I do way better with everything when I've had enough sleep. Yes. <laughs> so that's one of the the main things for me is mm-hmm. just um, making sure I'm getting enough sleep every night. And if that means, like, I'm telling somebody with, you know, for a freelance job that, hey, I, I can get this to you tomorrow instead of tonight, then that's what's going to happen, you mm-hmm. know? and um, And also... I, I like, uh, I haven't really used it that much recently, but I have like this meditation app that I've used for mm-hmm. years, like on and off. And it's called, um, stop, breathe and think. And it's like, i heard of that one.
0: I'll have to look into that one.
1: It's good. It's, you know, it's free. They, mm-hmm. I mean, you can pay for things if right. you want to, but, um, but you get like, you know, they have a few different people saying, like saying the guided med- meditations mm-hmm. And then um, you can check in with like how you're feeling, and then that will give you some options, as to, or like some suggestions about ones that you can try. And then you can check in after you're done and see like what your emotions are after. So That's I kind cool, of, yeah, I yeah. like that, and I um I think it you know especially because I'm somebody who's pretty introverted and I don't necessarily like. Um, acknowledge when I'm stressed
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm kind of the same way too yeah
1: where I think that can help because it's like oh wait I am feeling like because it's not only like your mental um, how you're feeling mentally but also Mm -hmm. physically it it asks you how are you feeling and it's like oh you know I'm kind of like my body feels sort of like
0: cramped and like uptight right Right. oh I'm probably probably stressed yeah Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, because that manifests physically, mm-hmm. right? Like, there's different signs of stress that you can notice in your body, and exactly. Um, yeah. I'm not looking at that. I like that the check-in because a lot of them are just here's a 10 minute guided meditation. Okay, you're done, right? Okay, yeah, it's not really asking you how you feel, right? And and that that way too, you can tell like okay, I did shut my mind off for 10 minutes, right? Mm-hmm. And I calmed it down. Maybe. Yeah. just and like I feel better, down. right? Yeah. It's like my, um, I have a, a sleep tracking app that asks me when I wake up how I feel. Oh, cool. So do yeah. I feel rested? Do I feel, you know? Uh-huh. And, um, I actually use the Training Peaks uh, app, too. Nice. And after you do a workout, you know, uh-huh. whether it's a run or, or I add in something else, um, it'll actually ask me, too, you know, how did that feel? And it gives you a... I, I wanna say at least five different faces, right? Oh, so you cool. can do yeah. like the smiley face, the you know, you're right, feel great, uh-huh. or that was awful. So <laughs> um I think that's kinda good to check in, especially from a mental standpoint. Right. Right? Like yeah. physical through the training peaks up, that's one thing. Right. But to have the, the mental check in, I think that's that's really cool too, to, to, to some to- yeah, to be able to just say, Okay, that didn't work. Or right. that did, that was great. Yeah. Um, so, Definitely. Yeah. So what are you looking forward to in the future? We talked about you're looking <laughs> for the – to kind of take that ballet and, and move that into the actual production. Uh-huh. Uh, is there anything else? that You know, you've you got any projects that you're working on? or? Um, I, you know, I
1: want to keep writing. Uh, right now the thing that I'm writing is – or just about to start to write <laughs> is, um, like a piece for, uh, guitar and piano for, you know, it's just kind of a personal thing, like for my boyfriend and I to play together. Oh, that's so, be yeah. You know, it'll just be fun. And, um, like we, you know, I'm not a performer, but like a couple months ago, we played a piano duet at a wedding for his cousin. And that was like just so fun and just like so fun to play with somebody Right. and also to play for people but to have like i think what i liked about playing with somebody else is also that kind of takes the pressure off <laughs> yes, <exactly. laughs> yeah. you know i'm there with someone yeah and someone i trust so i can like right feel comfortable doing it
0: yeah well and too it's not like a true you know everyone's sitting in a concert hall <laughs> yeah, just kind of like exactly. staring at you <laughs> yeah people are going to be
1: supportive yeah. regardless so. yeah <laughs> yeah oh that's cool so yeah i'm gonna do that and then um I have another, uh, idea, like, a. have already written the kind of outline for it or the treatment, um, mm-hmm. for another ballet, <laughs> and this one is more of, like, it's not necessarily a children's ballet, but it's more of, like, a, I guess, a parable, because it has to do with, um, I mean, there are, like, animals in it that, <laughs> that can talk, so... <laughs> I mean, obviously we're yeah. not going to be talking in right, yet yeah. but, um, so I'm, you know, coming up with that, those ideas and, you know, starting to figure out, you know, I've like written some themes and like chucked them because mm-hmm. I didn't, you know, didn't feel like that strongly about them, but right. so yeah, that's the other, that's the next,
0: next step. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Do you have any resources you'd recommend for, um, other women who want to become, you know, editors or composers, you know, working in the industry like you do? Um, yeah. I mean, I have a couple of like books that I would recommend for sure.
1: Um, for like a composer, I would, um, I would suggest the study of orchestration by Samuel Adler. Um, I had that when I was in, at Berkeley and, after that I basically like read and outlined the whole book (laughs) and I still refer back to those notes when I write. So, um, so yeah, I would suggest that book for sure. Any, you know, any musical scores that, uh, of works that you just really love, I would suggest Mm -hmm. like reading through them and, you know, studying them and seeing if you hear something that you like, you should kind of you can't hear everything then see, mm-hmm. let's see what what it is you yeah, know look
0: at the actual score and
1: right yeah so i would definitely suggest that for um composers and then if you're trying to get into editing which i think is something that anybody can do with a really solid writing background or mm-hmm. um, a grasp of grammar um I, there's the elements of style by strunk and white and then um which is like a classic book for any mm-hmm. like you know journalism or writers, uh, people. And, uh, I would say there's, um, there's also like, you know, style, um, style books. Mm-hmm. So there's like the Chicago manual of style. And these are things that different publishing houses, um, there's like AP style as well. I think I have one over in the bookshelf over okay. there. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, different publishing houses yeah. and newspapers and public you know magazines everything like there's a, there's like a few different ones that they use right um, so Al- Alfred uses Chicago you know okay. and so I I remember like when I um, when I came to interview like part of the interview was also taking like a grammar test and doing that sort of thing right. and, and knowing Chicago so right
0: so really steady up on your your different
1: styles exactly, <laughs> or, or well, I mean, just if somebody says, Hey, we're gonna because I also with like freelance work, I've had a situation before where they've sent me like a packet and they've mm. said, Okay, we go with Chicago or we go with AP, and so mm. then you like basically have to study that and know what the rules are, right? Um, so it's really just knowing what you're it's almost like doing your research beforehand, right?
0: Yeah. Um, what's your I guess other than that, um what's your best piece of advice for women who want to enter the music industry? Um, I would say don't be afraid to ask. That's
1: what I mean. <laughs> you know, kinda of what we talked yeah, about before. Yeah. But that it would say I would say is like probably the biggest um thing that I see people hesitating with is just there's nothing wrong with someone saying no or I mean, I guess the, between the two, the worst thing, things that could happen is you get no response Mm
0: -hmm. or you get a no, you know? So at least you tried. (laughs) Yeah. Um, do you have any favorite other than the books you mentioned? Do you have any favorite books, podcasts, or people that inspire you? Um, I definitely have,
1: you know, I, I love novels Mm -hmm. and that's kind of, you know, I was, like, when I'm not writing, and I love reading, and I, um, I like a lot of contemporary fiction, Mm -hmm. and, um, I like a lot of, you know, international writers as well, and, um, I would say, like, lately, it's that things that have really kind of inspired me have been, um, some documentaries that I've seen, so I would say, uh, there's, there's the R B G one.
0: <laughs> I want to see that. I still haven't seen it. I you've you got to see it. You, you'll yeah. love it. We'll
1: have to talk about it later because yeah, <laughs> yeah it's so good. And then um, there's also this one that uh, is on Netflix, and it's called um, Knock Down the House, and it's about mm-hmm. AOC and like people who um, ran for uh, for the House and right. representative representatives, like, and. They're all women, and they are like supporting each right. other from different states. So it's really interesting.
0: Yeah, I was looking at uh, those.
1: Um, and then, you know, I like uh, I like artist biographies because I like hearing how people got to where they mm-hmm. did. Um, and there's another one that I don't know if it's still on Netflix, but it's called um, it's about it's about Joan Didion. Okay. And I never I've never even like read her books, mm-hmm. but. It's called The Center Will Not Hold, and I, like, I just loved it, because she's, she's gone through, like, some really tragic things, and, you know, they show, like, her mother, like, suggested that she become a writer, you know, Mm -hmm. and, um, and then they show how, like, she kind of grew to fame as a Mm -hmm. writer, and then even after that, you know, how she's, like, used writing to get through her grief. so it's
0: pretty amazing I'll have to check those out for sure Um, you mentioned documentaries so there's um, BBC has a documentary podcast Oh, which is kind of cool and it goes through a range of topics too so you might kind of find that interesting Um, the one I listened to this past weekend was um, do you remember that song um, uh, every everybody's free to wear sunscreen I think it was (laughs) from like 99 I remember that. Oh, it was it was um, basically a spoken word song Uh that came out in um, at least became popular in the U.S. in '99, Um, and it was basically like advice to the class of '99, right? The different things you go through in life and and that. Uh Um, So that was really cool because I was like, I remember that song. Let me like (laughs) listen to this. So they'll go from everything from music to you know politics to. Um, you know, different world affairs. So it's really kind of cool. So you might find that interesting too. Yeah. You know, that's if awesome. you, I'll check that out. you know, if you're driving or something, you know, mm-hmm. rather than watching kind of here. Right. Cause they go through all the interviews and it's, it's really cool. So, all right. So quick lightning round. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what is the one thing you always have to have with you when you're composing? <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say a pencil. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is the best one hundred dollar under purchase you've made for your career? So composing, editing. Um, oh, geez, that's a good one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I would say probably any of the books that I've purchased. Like there, there's this. Um, Stravinsky like autobiography that Mm -hmm. he wrote and it's like so interesting because he starts off by saying like I'm not going to be talking about how to compose like if you want (laughs) to learn how to compose this is not (laughs) the place (laughs) but I love it and I think it is really eye-opening because somebody is like just so like someone as talented as he Mm -hmm. was and just you know prolific and and interesting in his ideas and mm-hmm. everything to um to kind of see him like talk about his annoyance with like the <laughs> choreographer for this one ballet like those types of things that's hilarious yeah, yeah it's like so interesting to to just see the like basic like human element but pettiness as well right. in that from you know? somebody who was
0: like you said as prolific as Stripinski.
1: right yeah so yeah i think like you know, a lot of those, like, books and just scores that I've I've bought, mm-hmm. I would say, are probably the best, best yeah
0: Yeah. Favorite album? <laughs> oh, my God. Or a composition, or... <laughs> um,
1: I guess, I mean, right now, I will say, like, Stravinsky is probably up there. Like, uh, I went to see, um, like, at the Hollywood Bowl, we saw, uh, like... John and I saw, um, uh, Petrushka performed by the LA Phil and it's like one yeah. of um, yeah, you know, ballet scores. And so like just hearing that live mm-hmm. was amazing because, you know, you can study it, you can like hear recordings of it and
0: everything, but. Well, on the LA Phil is amazing too, so. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like you're going to hear it it's an impeccable performance, right. you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. I've seen them a couple times and. Um, mostly pop scores, really, because I, we went to the John Williams night last year. Oh, cool. Um, where he actually conducted the, the Uh film, which was really cool to see. And then, um, we actually did Jurassic Park this year. Oh, right. Yeah. So to see even just, I mean, that kind of music Uh played by the orchestra is kind of cool. And especially, since they matched it up with the the movie, right? Right. And even the John Williams night, they did some matching with um, like, like some picture? of the film. Yeah. yeah. So they actually went through a whole thing of how they um, compose and and like write to film. Nice. So it was kind of cool to see that. I, well, yeah. Was it Indiana Jones? I, th- I think that was the one they did. Uh huh. I. I if I can remember correctly, that's the one that they, they actually showed it without sound. Or without, sorry, without music. So they had sound. Oh. So they cool. had any, you know, train whistles or, you know, people talking or whatever. Uh-huh. And then they ran through the whole scene and then they put, did it again, but with the music playing. Right. So it was really yeah, kind of really cool it's yeah, to see
1: that. You just see how, like, your perspective on it can change. Right.
0: Well, and two, it's like you're watching without the music, you're like, this is so long. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't realize how long the section was. And then as soon as they put the music in, that gives you that anticipation, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and you you start really getting into it more and more and more. I think that's the effect music can have on us, right? Right, totally. Um, And last question, where can my listeners find and connect with you, find your music? Is you know, we talked about SoundCloud, but is there uh-huh. any other places that you have music online or
1: Um I have a YouTube channel. Okay. And it's just my full name, Rajasri Molly Karshana. Okay. Um and then um I have an Instagram like
0: Rajashri.m. Okay. And, and we'll I'll uh, share those yeah. so I can find you. Sounds great. Your your YouTube and your find you and <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for coming over to my place. This was awesome to <laughs> do in person too. And yeah, thanks so um, much for having me. This is so fun. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for listening to the broken glass podcast. If you like the show and want to know more, visit www.brokenglassmediallc.com. Subscribe to the podcast and don't forget to leave a review. Join me each week to hear new stories, learn all about the tools and resources available to you and get tips for building a career in music. If you're interested in becoming part of a community of supportive women in music, join our secret community on Facebook at The Broken Glass Collective.